Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Hello and happy Sunday. It is podcast Sunday after a little bit of a break. I'm really wanting to get back onto podcasting every week. However, there have just been challenges with finding space and quiet without an office and getting everybody and everything ready for our grand adventure to Hawaii in about seven weeks. So I can't promise there will be a podcast every week until then, but I will try my best when I have something to talk about. I'm really excited today. Uh, I'm such a nerd still, still such a birth nerd. So excited to talk about why Dopplers are dumb. But first, I have some updates and newish things happening that I wanted to share. The very first is our 13 Moons childbirth course, one that Margot and I both developed a bunch of years ago and one that has been very successful. I think it has helped a lot of women out, a lot of families out all over the world, expanding their knowledge of conscious birth, of sovereign birth, many of them going on to have very amazing birth experiences. We are retiring this course, and that might sound funny, since I just told you how amazing it is, but it's just time. I don't know, of course, what's going on in everybody's life right now, but it seems to be it's a time of transition. It's a time of change. It's a time of wrapping up some old things and leaving them, uh, not quite knowing yet what the new will bring. So we are going to shelve this 13 moons course for the foreseeable future. However, if you already have access or you choose to buy access uh, until June 21st around summer solstice of this year, 2023, um, it won't be available anymore. So if you already had access or buy it, you will, you will have access, but everybody else, if you don't grab it before June 21st, it will no longer be available. Uh, That's exciting, isn't it? I'm really excited, actually. I know there has been disappointment and even midwives and doulas who use this course for their clients. And to you, I say, don't fret. We still have our huge podcast library. And I don't doubt that Margot and I will be inspired to create other resources and maybe another class. We're just leaving this kind of where it is. And our goal always is to improve on and raise the vibration of everything we're offering. So it's been a great run. And if you'd like to get in on that course, uh, then go ahead. It is IndieBirth.org forward slash 13 moons. And it's the number 13. So IndieBirth.org forward slash 13 moons. The course is $99. 
This was originally a $4.99 course years ago. Uh, we did do a pay what you can, which I think is extremely generous over the last couple of years. So if you were able to get it for a lot less, good for you. However, $99 is still an amazing deal for 50, at least 50, five zero hours of content and birth videos and all of the resources and things we share with our very own clients. So even if you won't be pregnant for a while, perhaps go for it. Uh, we will allow access to all members of 13 moons for the foreseeable future. Uh, who knows, maybe it'll be forever, but at the very least, at least a year from now of access. So that's a major announcement. And I wanted to make sure people here knew about it. Um, another project I'm working on is my magical mama. So you could go check out the site. There's not much there yet, but it's magicalmama.org. I'm also on Instagram as magicalmama.org. And I am really excited to just be dreaming and manifesting a container for conscious mothering and magic. Those two things go together for me. And I would love to teach and inspire and hold circle for women that feel the same. So be on the lookout. I won't be starting the membership until August. I want to make sure I'm firmly footed on the island of Oahu. That seems like a really perfect place for me to start this new venture. Um, of course, you will hear about it before August, should you want to join us. I will be doing a free webinar on my birthday, actually, June 28th. I will be offering a free webinar on how to raise magical children. And I'd love if you came. Um, I don't have that info on me at the moment, so just stay tuned. Look around Instagram. Uh, check out the site, stay tuned via Indie Birth newsletters and Magical Mama newsletters. I'm sure you will have plenty of opportunity to sign up for this free webinar on raising magical children. And then I will launch the membership opportunity for the year for women all over the globe. And I will probably do a separate podcast all about Magical Mama once I have it more worked out. Just saying for now that it's also for women who haven't yet had babies. Uh, I got that request not long ago, and I thought of my own daughters and how wonderful it would be for them, even if they want to, to be in the circle with older women, with women that have had babies. Um, no reason not to include them. So I am saying that any woman is welcome, uh, whether she has had babies already, maybe she's a grandma even, um, and on the other side, teenage girls that are mature enough and ready and willing to sit with women of all ages and learn about how to bring conscious beings into this world. So I am super excited about that. I've been waiting a long time for my own stars to align and taking a break from birth work and going to Hawaii have offered me the perfect opportunity to put this together. So just dropping a note about that here so that you can sign up to receive more info if you'd like to. Okay, I am going to launch right into why Dopplers are dumb, because it is a topic I'm really excited to talk about. I really need this break from birth work and the transparency and honesty that 
now feel available to me, if that makes sense, feels really good. So I wasn't lying (laughs) when I was in birth work. Um, You know, I wasn't teaching things that I wasn't doing or believing. However, a topic like this is so controversial. And I think I was waiting for the opportunity to have a space in which to really feel into something like this um, without the pressures of it being a real life practice. So by that, I mean, I'm not on call for any births right now. (laughs) There's no chance that I'm going to a birth tonight or tomorrow. There is no chance that I'm pulling out a Doppler to listen to someone's baby anytime soon. So it's given me some freedom to really explore how I truly feel without, again, these real life situations that sometimes demand us to be in one frame of a mind or another. So I'm talking about um, not just Dopplers, I suppose, but listening in general to the baby, to what we call fetal heart tones, which is such a boring scientific way to say it. And for the most part, I wanted to focus on doing this in the birth process. I feel like I have another podcast out there about listening to babies in utero during a pregnancy. So you can go check that out. I don't quite remember what I said that many years ago, but hopefully it was insightful. Um, I really enjoy listening to my own babies in my own body during my own pregnancies. And I find it a really fun thing to share with pregnant women uh, that they can listen to their own baby with a fetoscope, for example. So I'm sure many of you know, but that's a glorified stethoscope, really, that has a long tubing and a long bell and makes it possible to hear the baby's heartbeat in someone's uterus uh, from about, let's say, 20 weeks, if not earlier, sometimes as early as 16 or 17 weeks of pregnancy, obviously all the way through the end. So I'm not going to focus on fetoscopes today, even though that's my preferred tool. I do not use Dopplers during pregnancy unless someone requests it and or maybe they've had bleeding or, you know, maybe they really just need to hear a heartbeat at nine or 10 weeks of pregnancy because they had a loss. We can't hear that early with a fetoscope. So or sorry, excuse me, Uh, we can't hear that early. Yeah, no, I'm correct. I'm confusing myself. And we can't hear that early with a fetoscope. So a Doppler is the only choice. But I'm not going to keep talking about pregnancies and how to use them and when to use them. I really wanted to talk about why I think they are destroying midwifery, um, Dopplers, that is, I'm confusing everyone today, I guess, Um, how Dopplers are destroying midwifery in a lot of ways and taking women so far from their own connection. I'm a crazy birth nerd. So I had a little bout of insomnia last night. And I lay there thinking about this podcast for some bizarre reason. Maybe it's just the fact that most nights of my life for the last 15 years, um, I've gone to bed, not knowing if the phone would ring. So maybe um, I'm kind of weaning myself off, (laughs) kind of having an alert ear out and thinking about birth things. So this idea was on my head last night, was on my heart last night, and I even got up to make some notes. And I'm mentioning that because I think it's funny that 
I was reflecting on how would it look to say aliens or, you know, somebody not in our culture, even somebody outside of this norm of listening to a baby during a birth process with this handheld machine, listening to their heartbeat and hearing it, you know, everybody in the room hearing it. And how might that come across if that wasn't our normal? And of course, the real mainstream normal is continuous heartbeat in a hospital setting, right? Um, Where everybody can hear it all of the time and it's being traced on a piece of paper. That's even crazier. But I was just taking my toned down home birth version. So what if this alien or whoever um, outside of this knowledge or situation kind of looked in and I thought how weird that would be like why is that person who's not the mother putting this piece of machinery on her belly when she's clearly in the middle of an intense situation and what is that sound oh it's the person growing in her we can hear its heartbeat why would we want to hear its heartbeat? Um, Don't these humans have any other way of determining whatever they're looking for? You know, uh, is this physical manifestation of a tool really the best information we could get or have? And so that's what I want to talk about today, because I suppose I'm a little bit like an alien sometimes. I think that way. And I think what a strange thing we've done. We had this technology invented in God knows what year. So feel free to go Google when um, Doppler capability made its appearance during hospital births. And then I'm sure uh, some, you know, brilliant technician uh, figured out how to put that in a handheld device. And then the craziest step to me is that somehow midwives and the home birth setting gratefully, in many cases, or enthusiastically accepted this very strange thing, this very strange technology that might give us info. I mean, that's what I want to talk about today might be helpful, but also I think is very strange and has a lot of drawbacks. Um, And it's just become accepted. The midwives I apprenticed with, uh, one didn't really use a Doppler during pregnancy. The other did. So I saw that. But both, and really all the midwives I have ever worked with, all use a Doppler to listen to the baby in labor. And so that's how I was taught. So, you know, maybe you're with me on the alien page. If you weren't taught that way, or Um, you know, if you didn't have training as a midwife, and maybe you're a doula that attends free births, or you know, there's lots of variations of how people attend birth, not everybody was taught the way I was not everybody is taught in that clinical way. And in some ways, um, I don't know that it's the best way at all. So that's what I want to be reflecting on. Because from my earliest days as a midwife, baby apprentice, the Doppler was very important. In fact, I can reflect on one of the very first births I attended, which was a breech birth. And I remember being assigned the duty 
of listening to fetal heart tones at whatever schedule had been set. And of course, at that early stage of my education, I actually had no idea what I was doing. Of course, I had no idea what I was listening for. Um, I think a lot of people do think you're just listening to see if there is a heartbeat. And of course, that's not a great situation to be in. Uh, Usually what we're attempting to do is listen to how we think, and here's a huge like asterisk, how we think the baby is handling the stress of labor. But there's so much that goes into that. And there's so much unknown um, that, again, I think I'm really being called to expose this in a way, especially since I'm not attending births, and ask midwives to question what they're doing and how we collectively let this in. How do we let this into home births? Because certainly, right, there's many other tools of technology that we haven't. Most midwives don't have an ultrasound machine, although nowadays you can get a little app for your phone and it's easy enough, I suppose. Um, I don't. Uh, But what else? You know, there's all kinds of things we could do. Um, Epidurals, you know, we don't do epidurals at home. And I think there's a great reason why, uh, you know, that would take extensive training for one thing. But just offering that there has to be a line. There has to be a line for each of us as midwives that we decide to cross or not cross when it comes to what's appropriate for home. And I'm sure by doing this podcast, I won't change a lot of people's minds. They will still bring their Doppler and use it heavily. However, I know there are at least a few people out there, I can just feel it, that really need this and really are going to rethink the whole thing. And that would be lovely because I really do think we're at a time in history and with women and birth where we have got to be more conscious about what we're doing. Okay, so I've shared my um, alleged alien perspective. And the first question I want to pose, and this is maybe the bulk of the podcast, is, is listening with a Doppler in labor really helpful does the birth turn out better? As in, are there more live babies? Uh, or, you know, also not just live babies, but babies that weren't as stressed and don't need, let's say, resuscitation. So is it really helpful? Does it change outcomes? Um, I don't know of studies around that per se. Uh, we do know that listening all of the time, so the continuous monitoring that they do in the hospital does not change outcomes for the better. And that always blows my mind. I mean, I've known that forever, it feels like, and that always blows my mind. So what we're really saying is, we're okay with doing this, even though it doesn't make things better. And of course, that system, the medicalized system, totally ignores the risks, which is, uh, you know, cesareans for no reason, duh. And also the emotional, psychological, spiritual trauma that a mother and baby can experience um, having to hear, you know, whatever it is, having to hear a heartbeat your whole labor, to me would be one of the most stressful things uh, for me personally. And it would totally take me out of being connected to my body, being connected to my baby from the inside. 
So we know that there is no really solid evidence for listening to a baby in labor, no matter how you do it. And this is for good reason. Uh, The mother and the mama baby relationship should be what we're focusing on to know more about the baby. That's my opinion, by the way. But just sit with that for a moment. Feel that in your body. We know there is no solid evidence for listening to a baby in labor with technology. But the mother and the baby and the mama baby, that should be what we're focusing on to know more about the baby. So please listen carefully because I'm not saying there should be no quote unquote monitoring. Although I think that's a very heavily medicalized word. And who does the monitoring, right? Um, Why does a care provider, and I also don't like that word, phrase, why is someone else in charge of monitoring? I mean, the woman has the baby in her body. There is no one better suited to monitoring this baby than her. And yes, 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 I know you're going to say, well, that's ideal. Most women aren't connected. And I would definitely agree with you. So I'll go more into that. I imagine, and I've read, you know, fictional books about midwifery. We've all seen, uh, you know, documentaries and, and even midwives that work in, um, you know, third world countries or, or don't have the technology we have, obviously, don't really use something like a Doppler, even either it didn't exist, um, or perhaps they don't, you know, have that ability or the training to even use that. So let's pretend that we're going back in time. And midwives in the village attending births had other ways of knowing. They had other ways of intuiting how the mother and baby were doing. And many of them are physical, were physical. So I'm not throwing out that we're monitoring someone physically. Um, If a woman has a fever during labor, not a great thing, right? So we would want to know that, whether it's by touch and we're able to feel that, or it's by actually taking her temperature. There are things physically that are considered normal and healthy, And we don't want to miss them. And the heart rate of the baby may be affected by those things. So the mama is not separate from the baby, which is kind of another plug in a way to not just plunk a Doppler on her belly and expect to know, truly know how that baby is doing. So these midwives of long ago and many of today, I think, do have these abilities. Um, We can hopefully sense uh, if things are right. And that's a podcast for another day. But being connected to the mother, you know, all of the things that we're able to offer her as a midwife, all of the work she's done with herself for herself. um, These are valuable tools in the moment of labor. When yes, it can be harder to connect, as your uterus is contracting, and you're feeling all of these big feelings. So just repeating that long ago and far away, a Doppler was not something that was used. And I'm guessing that 
all of these external ways of knowing and maybe internal, right? So I'm not saying midwives didn't use their hands, maybe to feel um, inside a mother's body to see where the baby was, etc. Like we've always had these tools and these skills. But that listening to fetal heart tones, I don't think was originally part of true midwifery. I think it came from the hospital setting. And again, midwives enthusiastically accepted it because it seemed like probably I'm guessing back then whenever it was um, a, a helpful thing. Oh, wow, cool. Now we can do this thing like the hospital does, we can hear the baby's heartbeat. But um, there are definitely drawbacks to that. And as I was reflecting on this possible old timey midwife, um, she could if needed, put her ear to the mama's belly. Uh, did you know that it's a very cool thing at the end of a pregnancy to be able to hear a baby's heartbeat from the outside with your very own ear. Now, granted, this would be quite difficult during a contraction. Um, but again, it may have been used as a tool. I really don't know. However, if it was, and I love that idea, honestly, uh, it was natural, it was fluid. And by putting her ear to the belly, she also could feel the contraction happening. She could feel the temperature of the mother's skin. Um, she got, I'm guessing, you know, a more real life connection with the baby. And that's actually one of my biggest complaints about the Doppler versus the fetoscope. Um, the Doppler really just like removes us from the real life force, whereas a fetoscope or putting your ear to a belly uh, is much more regulating to our nervous systems because it's an actual human we're hearing. We're not hearing just technology. Uh, one last point I wanted to bring up about the old timey midwife in theory here. And I hope this comes out right. But back in the day, right, let's imagine that she's in a village, she's the village midwife, um, there is no hospital. So hearing the baby's heartbeat probably didn't factor in as one of her most useful tools, because she had so many other good ones to get a baby out to facilitate the birth to handle whatever it was, because there was no medical help. So it was kind of like, it didn't matter, right? Like, if, if they had been gifted Dopplers by aliens back then, um, what would it have mattered? Right? Like, there wasn't anything to do if a baby sounded in distress. And they didn't know probably any more than we really do about what it does mean. Like, what does a baby in distress sound like? Do we really know? Uh, we think we do. And sometimes we're right. And sometimes we're wrong. So I'm just saying that back in the day, the goal was to be present for women to facilitate and support but not to guarantee life or death. And that's my last podcast, if you didn't hear it. Um, but that wasn't the role of the midwife. She did not guarantee life or death. She was simply there with the tools that she had to help in whatever way. But something like a Doppler has really come in as a way of trying to make us believe that all babies should live. And again, that's a very touchy subject, I understand. But the belief system, um, as I understand it, you know, longer ago, when death was something people dealt with on a more regular basis, 
Um, the goal was, of course, yes, to have a healthy baby, but if it didn't happen, it was probably seen more as the will of God, the will of the universe than anyone's fault. So all's to say that I think Dopplers have a huge place in midwifery because we're practicing, um, or I shouldn't say we, because I'm not anymore right now. Um, it is being practiced as defensive medicine. And that is the real reason that midwives bring Dopplers to births. And I have been there and I have done it. I am not excusing myself from this scenario. I am simply pointing out that if we were in a different place, in a different time, um, they wouldn't even factor in as much because we wouldn't have this false idea that we were the savior, that the Doppler was also part of this savior complex, and that together we would save every baby and no baby would ever die. That's the belief system nowadays. And it's just as rampant in home birth as it is in the hospital. It is seen like we are able and should save everyone and death is someone's fault. So I do think these tools and ultrasound and all of these things all play the same role. They are all saviors in their own way um, in most settings. So uh, if all babies must live, the Doppler will tell us who is in danger. And that is why we use one. But of course, it is not true. Um, you know, there are lots of reasons why we don't understand even from this like medicalized research number standpoint, why we can't quite qualify what means what. So um, for example, you know, we plunk down a Doppler during someone's labor and we hear, uh, you know, decelerations. If we were to record that, and they have done this, I'm pretty sure. So whether it's looking at a strip or listening, right? Um, they have done these actual studies where they show different doctors the same strip and they ask them, you know, what do you think? What would you have done? Was this baby in danger or not? And, uh, you know, the bottom line is that the same doctor even can look at the same strip uh, on different days and not even give the same result, which is really crazy. So they can look at that same strip on a Monday and say, oh, that baby's fine, I wouldn't have done anything. They can look at that same strip uh, without knowing it, of course. Um, you know, a couple days later, maybe after they've had little sleep or a bad birth experience and say, absolutely, that baby, um, you know, needs to be sectioned right away. And I'm texting Jason quick because Rumi is fussing at my door. Um, I think that's fascinating, though. You know, I'm not a real study person. I think they can just prove what they want to prove. But overall, um, this idea has not been proven that listening to babies with technology and labor um, changes anything. And again, it's up for grabs what it actually means. So if we don't have a solid interpretation of a fetal heart rate pattern, then how can we make a decision? And I'm not going to go into like midwifery school 101 here. Um, there definitely are patterns we're taught to listen to and we practice listening to them. And that's great. And then we can label them. Oh, those are early D cells. Those are late. And this is that. And this is this one. And, you know, but I'm just saying, even with labeling them, we don't know what it really means. We only know what it could mean. 
and we're usually pretty cautious. Um, so if we really think we hear a late D cell, you know, we're more proactive. Um, and I have, I, I actually have heard late D cells at home um, once or twice. And both of those babies were absolutely fine. And I think even born, va- yeah, born vaginally. So it's all crazy. And I wish it meant more than it does. And I wish there was a little chart you know, that was so clear and said, if you hear this, this will happen. And if you don't hear this, this won't happen. And, you know, that would give us all so much more solace and peace at night um, using this technology. And I'm sure would make a lot of mothers feel better as well. Uh, But it is just not the way it works. And I'll tell some stories in a bit just about kind of the backwards nature of all of it. So what I do think is valuable if you're going to use a Doppler or are using a Doppler or think you have to for legal reasons or political reasons um, is to not just hear it and count it, but to attempt to feel what is happening with the baby, um, what is happening with the baby's energy and is the baby moving? And, you know, we don't want to just reduce this to a number. And I think that is what's happening. Um, Women aren't being taught or coached to really connect with their babies. And so we're really just doing this weird thing from the outside and then making really huge decisions based on it. Of course, there is the legal aspect of this, Uh, you know, the fetal heart tone strips, or any of it, even listening with a Doppler in labor at a home birth, um, they allow us to say, we heard it. And that might sound weird. But if you have a strip, and you have to sit in a courtroom and defend the decision you made, um, you have the strip possibly to help you or or harm you, I guess, depending on the way it goes down. But the problem with that is, you can always find something if you try hard enough. So Uh, you know, for doctors or whoever that have been in those like malpractice situations, looking back on the fetal heart tone strip, um, you know, my guess is it could it could kind of go either way, right? If you get an expert up there on the stand, they could decide to say, oh, yeah, that looked like a baby in distress and you missed it. Whereas the next expert would say, oh, that baby really um, looked fine. Anyway, hindsight is a whole different thing. But just saying that uh, once again, listening to a baby in labor is often defensive. And it's done so that we can say we heard it, which I'm not entirely arguing with. If you're a midwife in a hospital, or you know, even at a clinic where you don't really know women, and you don't know what you're dealing with at all. Um, If the woman can't give you information about her own baby, then this is where this technology has really taken over. And I'm not saying that to blame women. It's not that at all. It's just this bigger belief system that women are machines. You know, babies are the product. Uh, Robbie Davis Floyd wrote all about it, of course, in her book, Birth as an American Rite of Passage. Um, So that's not my idea. But that's where this technology really took off is like, let's not trust the mother. Let's trust this thing. This thing will surely know more. And again, this is really how it's being used, even at home births. So um, a little bit more about the tools just to uh, elaborate on that. The fetoscope 
allows us to hear the real heartbeat. It's closer to the mom. She can hear it with her own ears with a longer tubing fetoscope. It's a very nice and settling sound. If you've never heard a heartbeat from the outside with a fetoscope, um, it's really quiet in a sense. It's really gentle and it's a little harder to hear. So that's why a lot of midwives even will just throw out the fetoscope and uh, only rely on a Doppler because it can be difficult. But it's definitely more personal and I would say kind of quaint in the best way. Uh, can someone use a fetoscope during labor? The answer is yes, and I have done that a handful of times by a mom's request. Uh, it's very difficult to hear. A mom has to be in a certain position, but the way it feels is just different than a Doppler. So a Doppler, of course, um, requires amplification of the sound, or I don't know that it requires it, but that's how it works. It does actually kind of take a an echo of the fetal heart rate. So I always joke, and it's not a joke, that you could plunk down a Doppler on someone's toe, and if they have a baby in their uterus, you'll probably hear it. And of course, that's not true. You don't have to try that. But in other words, you don't need to know what position a baby's in, whereas you do with a fetoscope. So you can plunk a Doppler down, and you can hear cord, which is the same as the baby's heart rate. Uh, you know, you can hear it kind of echoing off different parts of the uterus, and it's weird. It can disturb babies. It can make them move away from it. It creates heat. We know that. And it's just not very sweet. You know, it's very obnoxious. It's loud. It's um, trauma-inducing <laughs> for some. And it has kind of an ominous quality to me, especially as a continuous sound. Uh, it kind of makes everyone in the room tense up a little bit, especially if they do hear something that feels a little off again maybe a deceleration um, it's obvious to everyone in the room if they're paying attention and while that's reassuring i'm sure to some women out there it's never been something that i would say is reassuring to me the feeling of a doppler especially when it has the readout so it's counting for you which i don't trust um, it's very mechanical it's very scientific and it feels cold so just feeling in our bodies, if you've had the opportunity to use that technology on yourself or on another woman, the difference in feeling. And I think that's often really helpful in giving us information as to which way we want to go, because <clears throat> certainly no one needs to do what I'm proposing here. A little thing I want to mention, and this is getting a little long here, but um, I do want to eventually teach a trauma release, a trauma healing workshop for midwives and doulas. And as I'm learning my own way through this and my own body and my own experiences and my own traumas, I've realized that midwives, and I can only speak for midwives because that's been my role, um, that we have overcoupled technology uh, like a Doppler with stress, anxiety, and even death. And overcouple, if you don't know that word, is a fancy way of saying we have overassociated, we have overreacted, and so the Doppler itself is not a harmful creature, really. It's just a piece of plastic. Um, it doesn't have a 
malintent, right? It's not evil. So this feeling that many of us have, and I'll speak just for myself here, um, this feeling of stress while using one, um, while trying to find a heartbeat, this more anxious, less expansive feeling that comes into my body around Doppler use is something that I learned and was ultimately associated with traumas. So I know I'm aware of that. And I have been for a while. Uh, It's also why I'm very cautious using it. I don't want to kind of like bring that energy in. And I've learned some better ways to kind of like uncouple that for myself. So if I do go back to birth work, um, you know, and I am in a situation where I'm attending births, that perhaps I can release some of these feelings around it, because they're not great feelings to have. And I can't speak for anyone else, but I know that many midwives feel this way. There's something stress inducing about all of it. So just a quick story, um, you know, in my own life, my baby Sable died in the womb at about 15 weeks, I think, of pregnancy. And that was one of the primary experiences that made me really um, not like Dopplers. And there's something really sad, of course, about not hearing a heartbeat when you expect one. There's also something felt in the body when a baby has died in a womb. And I noticed that way before I had my own personal experience. Um, And I know many midwives do as well, because we're feeling creatures. So when a woman has had a miscarriage, or, you know, once in a while, um, someone will think they're pregnant, and they're not or something like that. And the sound of a Doppler, you know, kind of roving for a heartbeat can be very stressful for everyone. But I'm speaking for the midwives who, you know, don't enjoy that any more than anyone else. So just saying that some of this technology needs to be uh, unwrapped from our own traumas, from our own experiences. And that may be true for pregnant women as well, who maybe have had, um, you know, some traumatic experiences with this stuff. So I like to bring that up because I really don't want the blame to go on the poor Doppler. Uh, Do I really think they're dumb? Eh, I mean, I think they just are. They just are what they are. But they definitely have associations with um, some of these darker topics. So I was just wanting to kind of go quickly. Uh, I mentioned the couple births where I did hear late D cells, which, you know, you can look that up, but that's considered a non-reassuring pattern and everything was absolutely fine. Um, My own baby, Rumi, in my own uterus, my last birth, I heard very significant what we would call bradycardia when he was, um, you know, going to be born. Uh, So his heart rate was very, very low, kind of without a pattern. And that's not considered a reassuring pattern. But he was absolutely fine at birth. Um, No, no resuscitation, you know, perfect APGARs, nothing, nothing at all. And then I can think of a handful of births. And Sacha, my good friend Sacha here, she did a podcast with me, I don't know, probably almost a year ago, about her daughter's birth here in Kentucky. Um, her daughter, Aurora, uh, aspirated meconium, and there was no indication in the pregnancy or in the labor. And we did listen with a Doppler. Um, There was no indication that there was anything off or wrong, or, you know, that the baby was um, not tolerating labor well. And I have many more stories like that. 
and many midwives do. And of course, you know, we have the opposite ones as well. So again, where does that leave us? There certainly are many stories where, oh, we heard something and we reacted because it didn't sound good. And, you know, we saved the baby. Awesome, right? I would say we still don't know. We still don't know that A equaled B, but every now and then uh, it does feel good to imagine that, you know, we heeded, we heeded the clinical signs and that perhaps a baby was spared, um, you know, a worse outcome. And I think that's great. I'm just saying we shouldn't put all our eggs in the Stoppler basket. Uh, we have to use it with intention. If we're going to use it, we have to use it full well knowing that we don't quite know what it means. And does that mean we can't use it? Uh, I don't think that. I think we just can't kind of sell our soul to it, which is how it's often being taught and used. Like you hear this, you do this. And it's just not that simple. And I think parents need to know this too. You know, I can think back to um, an interview I had many years ago, and it was a woman planning a VBAC, so a vaginal birth after cesarean. And I remember asking her somewhat something along the lines of like, what do you think you want a midwife for during the birth? And I remember her saying, I want her, I want you to like be able to listen to the baby and make sure everything's great. Like make sure my baby's doing fine. And my little antenna went off and I did not end up working with her. Uh, And honestly, I'm pretty sure she had a repeat cesarean, but that was not something that was going to work for me. So it's not to say I can't have that conversation with someone. Um, But I also am not in the business of changing major belief systems. So if someone believes that, well, that's the role of a midwife, I mean, she's she can listen, she's got that handheld gadget and whatever it says we're going to do. No, it's not that easy. And it is up into it. It is up to uh, interpretation. So, you know, if you're a younger midwife or a student, um, plunk that Doppler on sometime and then imagine that you're supposed to say what it means. You're supposed to give your recommendation. And I have for many years. And I'm always very ginger about it uh, in that I don't know. And I say to families, okay, so I'm hearing this thing. Let's listen again in a few minutes. Let's try this. Let's try that. Um, I'm hearing this thing that's not considered reassuring or that is considered reassuring. However, there really is no concrete proof. So would you please tune into your baby? Uh, Tell me how your baby's doing. Tell me what your baby needs um, or not, right? Like what is going on in there? Because this is only a tiny piece of the puzzle. And if we simply use that and only use that, there are often regrets. And, you know, no one, no one should be making decisions, I don't think, based on on tiny things like that. There should be more factors being looked at. Okay, so again, not saying we should throw it out uh, with the bathwater, but that we should reconsider and use differently and not think that it's anyone's savior. I have been slowly moving away from using a Doppler in labor for years. However, uh, of course, I have used it even in this last year, but it has made me rethink all of it when I've had the opportunity to try some of these things to work with women more 
um, closely, to understand them, to know their babies better, uh, to know myself better, to feel what it feels like to not make choices in fear. Like there's so many things. Not having state regulations over my head definitely have made me rethink. Uh, If you're a licensed midwife, you'll be told when you need to listen. And so it really takes the thinking out of it. And I think that's really problematic, not only to not think, but to impose this technology on women that may not know what it's really about. And again, then you're responsible for interpretation. You're responsible for making that choice, making that call. And that's really hard when, again, we have really no concrete information to determine what to do when. If the women uh, can feel their babies during labor, which is ideal and something I talk about a ton, and I talk about it in pregnancy, and I talk about my own experiences, a baby moves in labor. That does not stop. So if a woman can feel her baby in labor, why are we listening? Uh, an active baby is the best sign of health. So um, if, if you're the midwife, why are you listening? Or are you asking her? You know, can you feel your baby? When's the last time your baby moved? Has he had the hiccups? What's going on? You know, and if a woman looks at you and says, I have no idea, or I haven't felt the baby move, then we have this technology we can bring in with intention. But if a woman looks at us and she's like, I'm absolutely fine. My baby's great. He's moving. I feel him. I know he's fine. Um, Why do we need to do this? We could blame it on a state regulation in some cases, but really I think it's fear. And it's something to wean yourself from. That was my experience. Uh, It's such an easy thing to fall back on when you get afraid. You know, it's like um, in this nervous system somatic talk that I'm learning, it's an auto regulator. It's a way we allow ourselves to feel better without doing the work of tuning in, of tuning into our own bodies and tuning into the energy of the room. We kind of take a shortcut because we're afraid and our adrenaline pushes us on to, well, just just put it on. It'll only take a second. And I've totally done that. I I admit it fully. Uh, But it's not the best version of myself as a midwife. And I've learned over the years and so grateful to have learned it from these amazing women that I must calm down (laughs) and that I must not add stress and that using something like a Doppler for no intentional reason, just because, just in case, is fear. And it's your choice if you want to bring fear into the room. And it's your choice if you're the woman to hire a midwife that wants to bring fear into your space. So deciding if and when you want to use a Doppler in labor is a big topic. Uh, Plenty of labors that I have attended and most of my very own births, in fact, all of them, because even with Rumi, I used a fetoscope. Um, Although I take it back, I think Margot did use a, uh, a Doppler as I was getting ready to go to the hospital just so she could hear. Um, But in most of the labors I attend as a midwife, I don't listen. And this isn't to get some kind of hero award or hands-off award. It is really because I'm honoring the process. I can feel that everything's fine. You know, everything I've talked about. The mom is reporting regular movement. She's connected. There's nothing outside of the ordinary. And it's not needed. And it stays in the bag. And that is all. As I mentioned, if the mom doesn't know, or maybe it's been a very long labor, or maybe there's bleeding or something, then that is a tool. And I always ask consent, and I always offer it, full well knowing that many of these women can 
and have and would say no. And I have to be okay with that. Explaining beforehand to women that this is how it works. This is a tool. Many of most of my clients haven't seen one during their pregnancy at all. So, you know, maybe showing them or here's what we use in labor. Um, If you're willing and able and you want that, and that's how I phrase it, if you want that and there is no schedule to listen and you're trusting me to rely on my own intuition, but I am trusting you to connect with your baby. And if you feel like you need to hear that, the first question I'll ask you is, how is your baby doing from the inside and can you get more information? So I'm not going to tell anybody they can't listen, but that is the first assignment. Uh, How is your baby doing? And usually just given a few moments, just given a little space, just given that encouragement, most women will say, okay, give me a minute. And they'll tune in, they'll rub their bellies, they'll have a drink, they'll poke their babies and they'll say, oh yeah, he's fine. And I've been feeling him for a while. I just kind of spaced out here because, you know, I'm in labor. So they appreciate that reminder. And again, truly, if someone's like, nope, can't feel anything, um, my antenna definitely go up, you know, for a lot of reasons. But then we can bring in the Doppler as a tool, again, full well knowing that we don't quite know what it might bring. It might bring nothing. It might bring reassurance. It might bring false reassurance. It might bring um, kind of a rabbit hole of things. And it might bring an unnecessary transport, to be honest. Um, I definitely have always erred on the side of caution for all the reasons that I've stated. I'm not one to play with uh, fetal heart tones when we don't quite understand. So if, you know, let's just say um, the mom is really disconnected. uh, It's maybe been a really long labor she does want to listen. The baby does sound questionable from what we've learned, from what we've been taught. Um, I'm usually one to say, well, you know, here are your choices. Here's, here's what we can do. Here's what we can't do. If you're really not feeling connected to your baby, um, perhaps we should go somewhere else where they can do this continuously. So uh, that is the truth of the Doppler. I don't think it's just a for fun thing. I don't think it's a just put it down and hear a heartbeat and that's it. Um, That's useless, totally useless to do that. If you're really wondering if a heart is beating, you probably have bigger problems. It is really supposed to be used for how is this baby handling, you know, the alleged stress of this labor. I do think that uh, listening to the mother is the primary motivation for me. And again, it's not that the Doppler is bad or evil. It's just that she comes first. And I want to support her in experiencing this pregnancy however she wants to. And most of these women have a very strong intention to be more connected and to have this be um, an initiation. So some other ideas uh, I think I've shared already, but reducing fear for everybody, midwives included, balancing the nervous system, working with our own trauma. Um, These are all things that can make us feel more connected during a labor and not need to, uh, you know, rely on these outside artificial tools. Choosing our midwives wisely and choosing our clients wisely as well, so that we are truly aligned 
So this discussion, you know, that I've had with myself here, really, shouldn't be an argument. If you want a midwife to have a Doppler, then you should go find one. And if you're a midwife that has a Doppler, you should not be forcing it on every woman in your path. So we must align woman and midwife with what we think the goal, the vision is here. Focusing on health and life is the most important in a lot of ways. Uh, By introducing this outside technology, there is again this idea that something on the outside knows more than all of us. Um, Is that true? You know, do we want that to be true? Do we live our lives by that truth? Something is there to save us, perhaps. And then again, it's less about it being bad. Um, A Doppler is just a tool. Like I said, it's just a hunk of plastic. But we do have intentions and feelings around it and what we think its role is. I do not think a Doppler should be in its elevated role that it is at most births or this technology in general. It certainly is elevated in a hospital setting, as we know. But again, what about home? Does this have to play into uh, a home birth? And I think the answer is definitely no, depending on you as the midwife and you as the client. Um, Again, if this is a new idea, if you're a midwife or something you're really curious about, you don't have to go cold turkey and just throw your Doppler out. Um, I certainly have had one and, you know, we'll probably continue to have one, but I don't necessarily take it everywhere or keep it with me. I know that it's available if I need it. But first, reflecting on some of these questions I've posed, uh, feeling it in your body, you know, when you use this technology, how does it feel to you um, versus other ways of knowing? What are the other ways of knowing? Are you curious? Asking yourself what you do or how you'd feel if you forgot this tool to listen. So sharing just a quick story here before I wrap it up. Uh, One of my dear clients here in Kentucky about a year ago had her baby at home and she was a VBAC mama and she was doing great. Everything was picture perfect, amazing. And there was some bleeding into the birth pool before the baby came out, which isn't typical. Uh, Yes, we have bloody show, but this was not that. So I definitely kind of, um, you know, clenched a little bit when I saw that there was blood. She did as well. She was a little concerned. So a great example of like, well, um, you know, there's only so many places it can come from. We want to be sure that the baby's okay. So do you want to listen? And if I'm getting the story right, uh, you know, it was a similar conversation of like, you know, take your time. I didn't rush her. It was like, we could listen. So take your time. And she did. And she connected with her baby. And she said, no, no, thank you. I'm fine. My baby's fine. And it was no idea what the blood was from, but it was totally fine. And if I'm not mistaken, and I could be mixing my stories here. um, If I'm not mistaken, I think my Doppler broke anyway, at that birth. So I'm pretty sure that those stories go together. But even if they don't, what if your Doppler breaks at a birth? Uh, I didn't have a backup one. And at whatever birth that happened, honestly, I remember feeling a huge sense of relief, which should tell you a lot, right? So a huge sense of relief to actually not have that ability. Um, I think I have other abilities, so I was fine with it. And it really made me question, you know, why am I carrying this thing around? What is it good at? When should I use it? 
And if I should find myself in a situation where I didn't have it, could I function? Could I function as a midwife? Would I, you know, feel scared? Would I feel confident? Would I feel, what would I feel? And so those are some further questions to ask yourself about this very funny, funny, nerdy topic um, called Dopplers. All right, everybody, that was almost a solid hour of me talking. I am done. I am tired. I hope you enjoy your week. Um, I'd love to see you on either of the monthly moon circle calls we've been doing. They are free. They are on Zoom. It is Margot and I both. Uh, it is on the new moon. It is on the full moon or thereabouts. So you'll have to stay tuned via the Indie Birth newsletter and or Instagram to get the next date and times. But I would love to see you there. And I hope you have a great week. Thanks so much for listening.